everybody to the opening evening of the Shade Bippy. I am Thomas Murphy, along with my good friend Mike Diabate, and we are going to be coming to you once, twice a month, maybe maybe even a little more the more you folks get into it and we're going to we're going to break down our favorite genre of movies right here every every week mob flicks. Mike and I have, have known each other for, God, two, three years now, Michael? Yeah, and, just about that, since the launch of uh, Full Press. Yep. Yeah, and uh, once uh, once we, we got in, we got past our, our love of football and sports, we, we, we touched on another subject that we love, and that's, that's the gangster flick, the mob flick. And um, we came, I came up with this idea a few weeks ago, and the first person I thought of was Mike. I want to, Mike, thanks for doing this with me. And I really appreciate it. Oh, are you kidding me? It's a, first of all, it's a labor of love. It's, we both share that love for the mob movie genre and to be able to talk about it with not only a good friend, but someone who's also equally as knowledgeable, probably a little more knowledgeable uh, uh, than I as well. is always, always a, a pleasure. So, um, you know, it's my honor to be here. We'll definitely come at you. I hope everybody listening enjoys it. Uh, we hope to give you some tidbits that maybe you didn't know about some of these movies. And uh, we hope you uh, are entertained and enjoy our uh, six senses of humor as well. So uh, <laughs> without further ado, my friend, let's let's kick it off. Let's, uh, let's start with um, the movie that is our namesake. And uh, for anyone that doesn't know, we'll have Murph give, it, give you a little bit of a background as to where Shea Bippy actually came from. And then I can help enlighten some of our listeners as to some... Maybe some materials that you may not have known about this movie. So, um, Murph, which uh, which movie are we going to tackle today, and uh, why did we decide to name our podcast a podcast that you can't refuse? Why did we name that uh, the uh, the Shea Bippy? Well, one of our favorite movies is A Bronx Tale. Uh, it, it, it's um, it's a movie that 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 touches on the the life of a young man. And the bar that was down the street from his stoop. Um, in all actual, in actuality, what a lot of people don't know is that Colosero, who is the star, the protagonist of this movie, is uh, Chaz Palminteri. Uh, it was based on his life and the bar that was down the street from him. And his one of his two heroes growing up. One was his dad. Lorenzo, and the other one was Sonny, who ran his crew out of this small little bar called the Shea Bippy, and we thought it was a perfect name for this podcast, because we are, we're just two guys sitting around talking about something that we love, and what bar are you going to do that in, the Shea Bippy? (laughs) 
So here, here we are. Mike, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, yeah, you did touch on that um, right on the money. The story was written by Chaz Palminteri. It is adapted from an autobiographical one-man play uh, that actually uh, Chaz does. I've had the pleasure of seeing it. I had the pleasure of seeing it in Rhode Island when he came to the Providence Performing Arts Center, and it's remarkable. I don't really want to get into how he does it, and I want to get into some of the intricacies that he uses, but it is phenomenal. People going into it thinking, a one-man play, how's he going to be able to adapt such a great screenplay into a one-man play and actually it started off as a one-man play um, and that screenplay kind of adapted into the movie so when you see him do it live you can understand where that came from and how he's able to tell that story it's really really remarkable but that is a great point that you brought up as well is that the Cologido character is Chaz Palminteri that's actually his given name I don't know if anybody yeah. knew that but Cologido Lorenzo Palminteri is Chaz Palminteri's actual real name Several studios approached him to purchase these film rights, and at least one, I believe, offered $1 million. But Commentary refused to sell them unless he could write the screenplay. He wanted to be intricately involved in every aspect right. of this because it was something that was so important to him. It was his life story. And he also wanted to play the role of Sonny. He knew that he could do it. Most of the studios did not want to agree to that. Chaz Palminteri was not exactly a household name at the time when he sold the screenplay and at the time where A Bronx Tale became uh, a, 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 an actual motion picture. They wanted to cast someone else. Robert De Niro found out about this play, about this screenplay, and he approached Chaz Palminteri and offered to go into a 50-50 partnership with all of Palminteri's conditions being met. De Niro only had a couple of caveats and that was one he wanted to direct it and yep. two he wanted to play the role of Lorenzo Palminteri agreed they shook hands and that handshake believe it or not was the agreement that led to the the uh, the, the production of the movie they actually started production without a formal contract being in place I want to talk about two guys that are really just men of their word. Um, this is what they did. They shook hands. They agreed to it. And they followed through on everything that they possibly could have. And it started a friendship that really has been a great friendship throughout the years between Palminteri and De Niro. They've collaborated a couple of times. You might remember the both of them being in Analyze This, uh, where yep. uh, uh, Chess Palminteri played Primo Sindone. Um, and uh, <laughs> obviously, uh, uh, you know, and that's one we'll probably get into on our show as we well. Will. Even though it's a comedy, it's still a mob movie. And, um, and you know, De Niro, uh, you know, brilliantly played Paul Beatty in, in that. I thought those, that movie was, was hilarious from start to finish. But getting back to this movie, it was so important for um, Palminteri to tell the story. And I think he does a masterful job of it. I truly do. Murph, what were some of your favorite scenes in the movie? What really stood out to you and makes the Bronx tale a classic that it's been because it hasn't always been the, uh, the, the, the media, uh, darling that some of the other movies that were made at that time were like a Goodfellas or right. like a casino or the Godfather, uh, Bronx tale really kind of came along as more of a cult hit. What do you think makes it so indelible all these years later, you know, 1993, we're, we're coming up on, you know, the, other uh, uh, what is it? The, uh, the, the, 26th anniversary of this movie now it's really remarkable 26 yeah. years 26 years and i i remember i took my my wife to see this movie and and uh it, back in the days when we were dating and she would still go to movies that i wanted to see <laughs> that's one of my, that's one of my memories 
but but the lessons that were learned in this movie um a lot of a lot of um mob flicks have become part of our culture in the way that we quote them in the way that that we use them how how often have we said you know it's time to go to the mattresses it's it's something that that is part of the become part of the lexicon of america um the mob flick in itself has become um our generation's um uh, great american novel that you quote and some of the things that that are quoted in this in this film um starting of course with um with Lorenzo's speech that there's there's nothing worse in this world than wasted talent. Uh that that's one of the, the scenes that that he is he plays with his his then 9-year-old son riding the bus with him when you know you no matter what you're 9 years old your your dad is still your hero. Um those those are the things that that stuck out with me. Um the um The first scene where 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 Colosio's on the on on the stoop with with his with his young friends and and they're watching Sonny and the other gangsters down the street and how they're talking, they, imitating them with with their hands and saying, "Well, who is that? Well, that's Sonny." <laughs> you know, yeah. those are the things that stick out to me to this film. The 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 lessons that are learned. Um, you know, uh, Mickey Mantle is never going to pay your rent, and and this sticks with 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 uh, the young young C in um, in the movie, and and he actually it 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 burns his, his dad's ass when when he gets into it with Sonny at the at the at the Bippy um, a little while later when he finds out that you know his, his son's got you know six eight hundred dollars underneath his pillow. And uh, that's that's money that that he's, he's yeah, never exactly. seen in his life. Um, that you know, these are these are the type of things that 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 stick with you, and and you know, you, you just can't let go of. What about you? Yeah, I think you. Uh, the scene to me that really stands out in this movie, uh, and it's a real. I think the I think the real key to this movie was. The scene where a an older Cologero is now sitting in, I believe it's uh, it's it's uh, Gino's uh, restaurant, and that yep. also stuck out to me because my dad was named Gino, so I saw that and I was like, oh, this is great. I was like, my dad's name is in the movie, and so naturally I, I gravitated toward that scene. But the scene where the two of them are sitting at the table, and he and Cologero asks Sonny, is it better to be loved or feared? And to me, I think this is really the essence of the movie. It's really that coming-of-age story of Kolojido de determining what's more important to him. Does he want to be a man like Sonny, who is feared by everyone that is around him? Um, right. Where Sonny explains to him what it means to be feared. Where, you know, I tell a joke and everybody laughs. I'm funny, but I'm not that funny. You know, it's, it's things like that where it really kind of shows how superficial the life that Kolojido was so um, enamored with 
right. as he goes deeper and deeper into this lifestyle, he realizes how superficial it is and that the love that really exists between him and his father is really what's the most important. He understands at that point that he's learning so much from Sonny in terms of being smart about being ways to read people, um, you know, being able to, you know, quote unquote, be street smart, where he tells them that he's getting the best education that money can buy. He's getting the University of Belmont Avenue and he's also getting, you know, educated in in education. So that's a scene that I really, really like between the two of them. I tend to gravitate towards scenes like that in movies where it's dialogue. It's, I guess as a writer, right. I guess it just, it, it, you know, you, you learn to pay attention to dialogue and not so much to the action of, of the moment. And moments like that, uh, my favorite scene in The Godfather is when Al Pacino is sitting in the garden with Marlon Brando, with his father, and they're just talking about how they envision the family being able to evolve. And, and to me, I think it's just a masterful acting job. And this one really, yeah. I think, stood out to me. So that's one of the Senator things that Corleone, I really, really... Governor Corleone. Absolutely, yep. yep. I don't know if that's an old yeah. yeah. So, you know, but uh, it's, uh, to me, I think that movie, that scene really, uh, really, you know, comes full circle. And you mentioned, you know, the saddest thing in life is wasted talent. And that ends up really being, I think, the, the key message of this movie is how tra- charisma, intelligence, toughness, things of that nature, these types of personality traits that we, you know, that every generation really puts on a pedestal how sad it can be when those could be used for something so much better than what they're used for. And I I think this movie tells that story brilliantly. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's endured for so long is because of the message behind it. Yeah, the quotes are fun. We all love to quote Eddie Mush, who, you know, I I don't know if anybody knows, but Eddie Mush was actually the real Eddie Mush. That is not an actor portraying that part. That is the real deal, folks. Robert De Niro could not find a guy that captured the essence of that. He asked Chaz Palminteri if the guy was still alive and if he could go and talk to him. De Niro met with him very briefly, called Palminteri and says, I don't want an actor. I want this guy to do it. He can do it. And Palminteri says, go ahead, you know, go ahead, you know, cast him. You know, I know it. I know what he can do. I know he's, you know, I know his personality traits. And believe it or not, he was still at the bar, still losing bets when De Niro found him. So this was his claim (laughs) to fame. He became immortalized as Eddie Mush, the actor in the movie. But it's actually life imitating art right there. That is the, that is the real deal, folks. Eddie Montanaro is the guy's name. Uh, And uh, it's, um, if you look him up on either IMDb or Wikipedia or anything like that, his uh, his his bio is pretty uh, pretty funny uh, to uh, to read and and to see how he became famous. Uh, but um, you know those those quotes are indelible in anybody's life of these movies, and mom movies tend to be quoted ad nauseum. Um, but I think the reason why these movies endure, like The Goodfellas or A Bronx Tale or The Godfather trilogy are the messages that they tell you about what really matters in life. And, right. and, and I think this, I think this movie does really spot on. Yeah. And it, I, what I like what I like most about the movie is, is the, the evolution that we're talking about of C of, of Colosio mm-hmm. at the, at the opening, almost at the opening of the film. Um, he, he sees what his hero's life is really like through the eyes of a nine-year-old. Um, when Chaz Palminteri, when Sonny guns down a man in front of his his house while he's sitting on his stoop as to what he thinks is an argument over a parking spot. Um, why don't you talk about that just a little bit, bud? 
Yeah, I think that that really sets the tone for the movie. You really learn at that point how high up Sonny is in the echelon, what that probably meant to his evolution to the Sonny that he becomes so enamored with, seeing that, that protecting his friend, obviously, but there was more to it than that. And the, the, you know, the, the gentleman that was, you know, gunned down, it comes full circle at the end. Right. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a couple of minutes. That does come full circle. Um, but it's learning about the ways of the mob and the dirty side of the mob, and not just the, the glamour and the, the nice suits and, you know, being able to speak with three fingers and having all these guys come over and be essentially his yes men and his, you know, his, his, his button meant, so to speak, which is a, you know, a term that's used in the Godfather and all of these movies, um, you know, between Jimmy whispers and Frankie coffee cake, which I love the way these movies introduce these guys, the God, yeah. a good fellas does it beautifully. And so does this movie where they introduce guys like Jojo Whale and Frankie coffee cake and, you know, and Eddie Mush and Jimmy whispers and, you know, all of these names and we'll get into how they do it in the good, and uh, good fellas, uh, uh, you know, as well, which I think they did brilliantly, uh, you know, to, Scorsese does that excellent but it's I think a little bit of insight into Cologero and how he's able to differentiate the different lives that a guy like Sonny would have as opposed to his father who is so righteous and on the up and up and you know does everything the right way and very honest very hardworking, uh, and really relies on his own where things like you know what what Sonny does Colosio starts to see it, but he's still so enamored with the lifestyle that he's willing right. to overlook that. He's willing to just kind of turn a blind eye to that. And even when the cop comes over to, to, you know, to tell him what's, you know, to basically have him rat out Sonny because he was the eyewitness yep. to, uh, to the murder, he shakes his head. And the first thing that he can tell his father is, I wasn't a rat. I wasn't a rat, dad. I wasn't a rat. That is the, just the message of that, it's the message of the uh, of the neighborhood at the time. You know, that's what meant the most to him was I didn't rat out my friend. And as time goes on, you do see that evolution in Kolojido and how he becomes a man and what really matters to him most. And all of a sudden, the bloom starts to come off the rose a little bit as the movie goes on and on and on. And he sees these things and you can feel the discomfort in Colosio, kind of catering to the gangster side of him and not wanting to really cultivate that. I think that really uh, is, is where you see the movie take its evolution because he really becomes his own man and it becomes something completely different from what probably his father thought and even yep. Sonny thought. He really kind of becomes his own man as the movie goes on and on. He takes the lessons that he learned from both of these men and applies it to his own. That is, and, and, and that's that's the wonderful thing about this movie that uh, we actually see that evolution in in a mere ninety seven minutes uh, of of film time, and and I, I do I want to see it at some point in time and on the stage, it, but the one of the one of the lessons learned um, through this movie is when Colosio, um borrows Sonny's car um, to take mm -hmm. his his young african-american girlfriend out on a date and now some of us will remember the the sunny test and um and i i think it, i think it's a fantastic thing that that um that i i used when, when i was a younger man um that that i latched a hold of 
And if, if folks that, that don't know what the sunny test is, is you, you get out to, to walk your girl to, to the car. And when you do, you make sure that you unlock, you, you, you lock her door and you lock your door. Um, you unlock the door, let your date into the car. And he says to see if she doesn't reach over and unlock that door for you after you let her in the car, you know, she's not a keeper. <laughs> that, yep. I think that is I, great. I, I believe the exact words you use, you thump her and you thump her fast. I think yeah. Exactly. The, <laughs> yeah. So, yep. You dump her and you dump her yep. fast. That That's, that's yep. perfect. And um and then there, there's there's another lesson. Why don't you tell tell people about the 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 other lesson, the the lesson that that the bucketheads that that he hangs out with uh, have. <laughs> well, as you can see, you see Colosio really develop a, a real loyalty to his friends. But throughout the movie, you start to see him really just question their values and question what what their lessons are. Yep. And he holds those messages that his father taught him so many years ago and that he used, you know, to to essentially grow in his father's image a little bit. And you see his, his friends that they're just obsessed with the lifestyle. They're obsessed with the glamour. They're obsessed with the fame. And all they want is just to be a part of something that's really sinister. And really, it, it, it takes Kolojido in, into areas that he really doesn't feel comfortable with. There's a mm-hmm. scene in the movie where... Um, young African-Americans are riding their bikes through the neighborhood and it really, it irritates the, um, uh, the, the, the friends that, uh, that Cologido has particularly Mario and slick. And these guys that he grew up with when he was, when only when he was very young and they're childhood friends. So he really still feels that loyalty to them. It still feels a love for them as, as children, but the adults that they're becoming, they're almost like they're growing in two separate directions. But Cologido was afraid to branch out from that and afraid to leave his friends behind for fear that they will reject him, not only reject him, but also probably turn against him. And that's something that scares him. Um, you can see it in that scene where uh, the gangland fight breaks out and it's unfortunate. It's it's a very uncomfortable scene to watch and it's very right. uncomfortable because it's really done from the point of view of Cologido and how difficult it is for him where he actually grabs one of the uh the uh the, the one of the victims and he grabs them and says, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt you. Just stay down. Almost like to the point where he's saying, just please, I can't do anything to really help you the way I want to, but this is the best I can do. And mm-hmm. it actually ends up being the brother of her, of his love interest in the movie. And really, in a, in a great twist and a great full circle um, opportunity to really kind of flush all that out, I think it's brilliantly written. And you see that, you see that evolution of, of how his friends value things. Uh, you right. mentioned the sunny test. Well, there's another test in this movie, and I know a lot of people know this one, and that's the Mario test. And the Mario test. Mario is, Mario is uh, one of Cologido's oldest childhood friends. Uh, you remember him probably from that, that bent hook nose that he's got, which is a trait that unfortunately does befall some Italians. I'm not quite that bad, but I do have an issue there as well, so I kind of can relate to that, although Mario's is much worse than mine, so I do not consider that you know to be that much of a, of a, of a terrible uh, fatal wow. but uh, Mario is very um, how shall we say uh, off his rocker a little bit when you come when yeah. it comes to uh, uh, to his sense of reality and what what the uh, the issue is and his big test is 
grabbing the head of a of a girl and imagine and I can never pray. you can't get away with this now and in in, uh, in in the era of me too there's no question about it but mm-hmm. quoting the movie he basically says to his friends that the way to test the girl's loyalty is to and I'm using his exact quote grab her head and push it down on your lap and if she goes down on the old brajol while a guy next to you in a big truck that can see down into your car knows he knows she's watching and she still does it then she's a big and she can't be trusted right um this test basically just really i think other than you know giving guys something to quote and something to chuckle at i think this really shows what the values exactly. of his friends are the, and you the, see the look on kolojido's face which is just one of disgust disbelief and like He's right. laughing, but at the same time, he's sitting there going, who the hell are you and where the hell did you come from? Because That's we it. grew up in the same neighborhood, and that would have never crossed my mind. And you see the difference in how these guys are growing up, the influences that they have. And at that moment, I think it really starts to ground Cologero in the fact that he still has a lot of his father Lorenzo's influence. And it's not all right. about the sunny gangster lifestyle that his friends have just adapted completely towards and essentially left all of their childhood behind. And 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 C sees this through not only his own eyes, but in the eyes of of his idol Sonny, who who catches the boys trying to buy a gun just after this scene, um, and he, he chases he chases Slick and Aldo and and Mario and Ralphie I think Ralphie Ralphie off, and he keeps C back. And he he tells them, you know, the, these these kids. Sorry for the language, folks, but these kids are jerk offs. That's all they are. They're a bunch of idiots. They're going nowhere in life. You got to stop hanging out with these guys. All they is, as you said earlier, these kids are enamored with the lifestyle. This is this is the path that they've already chosen, and he doesn't want C to take this path. Time and again, during the movie, Jazz tells him, Sonny tells him. That this is my life. It's not yours. Okay, take what I'm take what I'm learning, what you're learning here, and build your life. This is not your life. Right. This is my life, and that's that's another great lesson. That finally, um, it 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 comes to a point where where you know the the get out of the car point. Um, the, the, the guys, the, these kids are, are grow up in a, in a, a terribly racist neighborhood at a terribly racist time in uh, the United States. The, the black kids are, black families are moving into neighborhoods that are closer and closer to theirs. Mike already uh, touched on that. Uh, the guys, it, it would piss, you know, slick and the guys off that they're just try, going through on the bus on their way home from school. And um, it, it's getting worse and worse in their eyes because they're getting closer. And in probably the the penultimate um, moment in this movie, the the Aces the, that's the club that they started across the street from the from the Bippy because of course they want to they want to have their own club they want to have their own their own thing. Um. They put together a bunch of Molotov cocktails, and they're going to go and take care of these guys once and for all. And halfway there, 
C says, no, nah, this is this isn't me. I, I I'm I'm not doing this. He he gets to the point where he no longer cares what they think. That what he thinks is more important. That he's not going to throw away his life the way these guys do. And why don't you talk a little bit about what happened there, Mike? Yeah, I think you know you set the you set the stage really nicely for that. Kolodjo was in the car, and we've kind of you know built up to this point where he's enamored with a lifestyle that he saw when he was very young. But the more he's lived and the older he's gotten, he's realized that this may not be the life for him. And he kind of knows that deep down, but he's afraid to really take that step and do that. As he's in the car, you can hear Kolojido narrating to himself and basically recalling what it felt like to be in the car, sandwiched in between two friends of his that seemed so charged up to grab the Molotov cocktails and go over and get their rival gang and basically, you know, eliminate them from the neighborhood. And this is this is all rationalized by everyone in that car but Kolojido. Right. You can tell, you can see the discomfort. Again, a very uncomfortable scene to watch, and I think that it's really directed acted brilliantly because it really makes you feel that discomfort. It makes you feel that anxiety that he's feeling. I remember watching that for the first time and feeling that anxiety um, and, and really wanting him to get out of the car. The car pulls up to a stoplight and all of a sudden you see a hand reach in, grab Kolojo and it's that of Sonny. And he grabs him, um, warns the guys in the car, doesn't stop the guys in the car because he knows that nothing is going to be able to stop them. His primary goal at that point was to stop to C, get C out. and to be able to get C out of, out of the car and whatever these guys are going to do, he did not want Kolojiko to be a part of that. And he does, he saves him. Um, Kolojiko is very grateful. He gives him funny, his but excuse. At the time, exactly. Absolutely. That he was looking he for. His Exactly. It kind of lets him off the hook where his friends don't really look at it as saving face. They say, well, what was he going to do? Stand up to Sonny Colosi? He had no choice. So we forgive him. That's fine. And it ends up being a moot point, and we'll get into that in, uh, in a moment. But it also brings back to a scene that had just happened, which Sonny, for the first time, questions Colojito's loyalty. There was a bomb that was placed in Sonny's car that did not go off. Uh, there is a fan theory, by the way, about this, um, and we can get into this just a little bit. Um, there is a fan theory that that bomb, and I don't know if you've ever heard this, Murph, but there is no, a fan theory that that um, the bomb was actually placed by the biker gang, that um, for the remaining members of the biker gang <laughs> that uh, were brutally beaten, I believe a couple of them were beaten actually to, to near death or death, um, yep. by... Sonny and his crew in the Shea 50 when they came in to essentially break up the bar. Uh, they came in to give the, uh, the, uh, the bartender a beer shower, and they were designed to just break up bars, and that's what they wanted to do and prove that they were tough. And in the infamous scene, which is one of the most infamous scenes in the movie, where Sonny locks the door to the Shea 50 and says, now you can't leave. And all of a sudden, you just see the floodgates open up, and Sonny's crew comes out, and they savagely beat these guys, destroy their motorcycles, destroy everything. The Satan's Messages biker gang was really, I think, a takeoff on the, uh, the Hells Angels um, that uh, was really prominent during the, uh, the 60s in New York, uh, especially in the Bronx and in the, in the surrounding boroughs. So I think that was a takeoff on them. And a lot of people think that that biker gang was the one that planted the bomb in the car, bomb. the one that didn't go off. Um, the other fan theory, obviously, is that it was retaliation for what Sonny had done at the beginning of the movie, killing the guy over, quote-unquote, the parking space. Uh, but there are some 
hints that Chaz Palminteri has given throughout the years in interviews that it may have been the biker gang and that that's what he always thought in recounting yep. that that uh, encounter that he did really have with uh, the, the real-life Sonny, that he always felt it was retaliation from the biker gang, that they were able to do that, that if it was a mob retaliation, they wouldn't have done it of that point. It was something that was that had to be personal because the killing was personal. So we'll get into that in a minute. I don't want to digress too much. But Sonny accuses Cologido because, remember, Murph had just said Cologido had borrowed the car to take his date right. out for the evening. And Sonny's first reaction was, well, he gave him a C real dressing down. Must, exactly. C had the car, C must have planted the bomb. And Cologido was so disenfranchised and so disheartened by the fact that Sonny could question his loyalty after the love and the loyalty that Cologido had showed to him. He realized at that point this was not going to be the life for him. He could not mistrust everyone in his life. For Cologido at that point, it was more important to be loved and feared, and he walks away from Sonny, even after he saved him, barely thanking him for it, and he walks away from him and basically is content to say, I'm done. I don't want to be bothered with my friends or with you for a good long while, and you're not completely sure what's going to happen with uh, with Cologido at that point. He's got one thing on his mind, and that is seeking out the girl, his love interest now, who is African-American, that's going to cause some issues between him and his friends, but at that moment, Cologido doesn't care. It's all about what he wants and what's going to be best for him going forward. You really see that character really take a giant step toward manhood in that moment. At that point, he's not afraid of Sonny. He's not afraid of his friends. He's just focused on what he wants in life, and he's not worried about the consequences anymore. It's the first time you really see that in the movie. Right, and it's it's something that, that will stick with, with anybody who's seen this film. Folks, if you have not seen this film, please please we we hope if nothing else that you know this podcast opens up things to you like that i mean things that mike is bringing up that that you know is even bringing back more memories to me and i just watched the movie you know uh a week ago from my my sick couch here <laughs> but you talked about <clears throat> excuse me i'm sorry you couldn't hit the the mute quick enough there um <laughs> You, you, you talked about um, Sonny pulling him out of the car. Do you think that was him getting him away from his, his friends there, or was that simply because they found the bomb in the car that day? Well, actually, it's him pulling him out of the car. They had already found the bomb. That's right. one of the big reasons why Cologido ended up going with him, with his friends that night, because he was ready to go back to the bar and be with Sonny. He wanted to tell Sonny about his date. He wanted to tell Sonny about what had happened. And Sonny grabbed him very unawarely for, for, uh, for Cologido and accused mm -hmm. him of, you know, you planted that bomb. How did you do that? Oh, how did you do or that? Where, where did you, you know, go? Where, where, to me, exactly. to me, it was where never, it was you? never yeah. him, him blaming, him blaming C. It was, he, he wanted to know where he went besides to pick up his girlfriend. Where, where did they go? I, exactly. I never thought, yep. I never thought that, that Sonny thought that C put the bomb in there but that he was stupid and left the car unattended and that's when it happened. Do you, do you think I could, I'm off base or, or is, or am I, am I, you know, maybe hitting the nail on the head there? No, I think you are hitting the nail on the head there. I think there also was a little bit of mistrust and you saw how Sonny could 
he never trusted anybody. And he always said it's better to be for Sonny. It was better to be feared than loved. Yeah. And, and they kind of flushed that out in the, uh, in the, in the car ride back to the Bippy when Sonny has already saved Colojo and he tells him and he says, how could you think anything of me? And Sonny's kind of alluding to what you just said. Like, you know, deep down, I really know, you know, you couldn't have done anything, but you know, I just, you know, I never know. I've got to be so careful. And he said, you know, it, and Kolojido just basically says, but you can't trust anybody. He says, no, I can't. And he says, including me, he says, I just can't trust anybody. And that really, to me, kind of, I think, flushes that out a little bit. Is it to say he never really thought Kolojido was, was the one that planted the bomb that was going to kill him. But there was a part of Sonny that wasn't sure, did somebody get to him? Did somebody threaten him where he felt he had no choice? It wasn't a level of trust that Kolojido knew that he had with his father. And I think that right. really cemented that with him as if to say, I can never have that level of trust with you, but my father's always going to trust me. He's always going to have my back. Whereas Sonny may not always have my back. It, this is this is proof. And right. Kolojido tells Sonny, he goes, it may be the way you have to live, but it's not for me. This is not no. for me. And you can almost see a level of relief on the face of Sonny, like as if to say, I'm glad to hear you say that. I'm glad you're not going to be just like me. I don't want you to be just like me. I don't want you to have to live this way and be paranoid about what everybody's going to do and everybody's mm-hmm. going to think and whether or not um, on borrowed time. You know, and that's another thing that I think Kolojido sees with these guys is they're all on borrowed time. At any minute, somebody could put a gun to their head and it's over in the blink of an eye. And maybe I'm, you know, foreshadowing a little bit, you know, too much here. But uh, that, I think, is is one of the big things that really turns the tide for Kolojido and really makes him realize that the life that he's going to lead can't be all about this. He has to go in a different direction. He has to be better than what he's seeing right now. Right. And one of the scenes that, that, that stick with me is when C is talking with his dad while he's then now 17 years old. Um, the, the, the last big scene that we saw was, was outside of the bar after, after, um, after they had found the, the stash of cash and, and, mm-hmm. and he goes in and he, he confronts Sonny about this is my son. This isn't your son. This is mine. You don't mess with another man's family. You, I would never get out of line, Sonny, but this time you're wrong. And he goes back out and he tells his son that he took the money from him. And his son gets into it with his dad, then nine years old, telling him, his dad, that Sonny's right and you're wrong. The working man is a sucker, dad. And that's that's the way it is. Now, we'll jump forward to when C is 17 years old and he's in another conundrum you know, about this young woman, about this black woman that, that he is you know, just enamored of, in love with. And he's sitting there shaving in front of in front of his dad, and they're talking about this. And his father tells him that, you know, he, he understands, but at this point in time, maybe it's better to stick with your own. And he's... C is, is not sure that C is thinking in in the back of his head. You could see it in his mind that you know his dad has his best interests in heart, and he, he understands where he's coming from. And it's not something that he wouldn't accept. He's worried about how it would affect him in the same way that you know Sonny affects him. The same way that that you know hanging out with his his friends like Slick 
affect him that that you know he's coming from a point of of love and affection that only a father could um could give to his son i thought that was a, a really big moment in this film that um it, it when when you have kids you 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 have this kind of a give and take as to when they when they push you and when you push back and and when your your kids finally realize that you know it's your best interest that they have in, at heart and not just trying to make you live the way they live and um and that that's also something that's always stuck with me oh yeah without question i think that is a very big moment in the uh, in the film, and it also shows Colojudo being willing to stand on his own two feet because he takes his mm-hmm. father's advice. He smiles. Yep. He doesn't like just scoff at it and say, "Oh, the old man's wrong" or whatever. He understands where his dad's coming from, but at the same time, what he's able to do is he's able to give that level of of connection um, and say, "You know what." I'm still going to do this. I'm still going to go my own way. I still, this is something I have to do for me. And I think it really does show the evolution of the character. And that is, that that's a great scene. And you're absolutely right with De Niro. I think, you know, he, he explains to his father this because he's seen the way his father interacts with African-Americans on a daily basis in driving his bus. And it's not, the way that society is used to dealing with racial relations at the time. You know, right. we take it for granted now, but it's a situation where at the time it was very, very, very racially charged in this country. And there was, there, there was, there was no, you know, um, fumbling for the word, but there was zero tolerance for race, not for racial divide, but for race itself was not something that was that was tolerated. It was, I mean, segregation was still very much practiced, if not by law, then very much in practice. And it was a very difficult subject to kind of cater to. And I think that's where you saw his father just kind of saying, be sure you really want to do this because it can cause some problems. You may not have a problem with it, but there are a lot of people that will, and he just didn't want to see his son have to go through that kind of suffering. Right, and it wasn't even his own. It wasn't even his own suffering that he was thinking about. It was just just his son's and right. what exactly. was going to happen then. Um, so just to bring it back, we we talked about Slick and the guys and, and their, their trip with with um uh over to to take care of the rival gang with their Molotov cocktails. Um this could not have gone uh better or worse uh from whatever point of view you you might want to have as the guys of course the jerk offs screwed up and they ended up blowing each other up uh blowing themselves up and and not the record shop that they they planned on uh on destroying. Um I don't know if they went there to to you know kill anybody or or doing that's that's you know I'm not really sure what what I do know is that they went to go take out this record shop which is you know was the 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 epicenter of of that neighborhood um now see heard the explosion or heard the um the the fire trucks and he knew what was up and he ran there um what he saw was was not what he expected and the uh i think the reaction from the people in the neighborhood 
was was not one that he expected. Why don't we talk about that for a minute? Yeah, I think, um, you know, again, you set the, the table very, very nicely on that in terms of the visual. Um, and really, I think just a great, a, a, just a great job of De Niro as, as the director. And I think of uh, Lila Brancato, who uh, played the uh, 17-year-old uh, uh, Cologido. You can really see the emotion on his face and the confusion and just the, the myriad of emotions that he must have been feeling as he was approaching, um, you know, this this neighborhood and he was approaching this area and determining what had happened and seeing he comes in, he sees the aftermath of what, of what's taken place. And he sees the charred bodies of all of his friends, essentially realizing that these guys that he spent so much time worrying about their opinions and what they were going to think of him and what they were going to do to him. If he went a different direction than what they wanted him to, they were no longer there. And I think very poignantly and very poetically, if you want to think about it in terms of poetic justice, these guys ended up causing their own demise because of the hate that they had and the uncontrollable hate that they had and also their inability to really be the types of tough guy gangsters that they thought they were. They were as ill-equipped and as dumb as you could possibly imagine. And that's not something that Sonny's crew ever was. Maybe they were ruthless. Maybe they were despicable human beings. And, you know, the argument can definitely be made that these guys kill people for a living. I mean, that's, that's really, that's about as low as you can get. Right. But they were organized and they were professionals about it. Um, and I'm not throwing bouquets at this crew. Believe me, we're not controlling no. this type of violence at all. But these guys were professionals. They knew how to do it. Whereas... Slick, Mario, Aldo, Ralphie, all of these guys thought they were these professional hitmen, these professional gangsters, and they couldn't organize anything in order to be able to do what they felt they wanted to do. And I agree with you. I don't necessarily believe that they were going there to kill anybody. I don't think they were going to shed any tears if they did. I think right. they were prepared to do it. I think you saw these guys saying, I want to shoot somebody. I want to put the gun up against their head. I want to shoot somebody. So they definitely had it in them to be able to do it. But I think what they were doing is just to go over there to decimate the neighborhood, to decimate there, um, to really just get, you know, to get back at them for egging the deuces wild, which is what the uh, the, the African-American students that were, you know, were, were jumped. They did that as retaliation. And, right. you know, it just it got to be one thing after another. But when you see the look on Kolojido's face, it was almost one of relief. And I think that's a very surprising, I think that's a very surprising emotion for a guy that just lost all of his, for a guy that just lost all of his friends. Mm -hmm. He was very, almost relieved to the point where I don't have to go through this anymore. This is not something I have to do. I think he came to grips very quickly with the fact that his friends had chosen a lifestyle. They chose what they were going to do. And he understood that his first reaction when he looks at uh, her, his, his would-be girlfriend and his brother and her brother, who basically kind of understood that he was the innocent one in all of this and that he tried to help as much as he possibly could. You even hear his girlfriend, um, Jane, tell him that she knew that his brother, that, that her brother was, you know, that her brother had told her that, that she had tried to help him. When yep. uh, that that you know that that gangland you know kind of you know <laughs> scuffle had happened, and 
they tell him get out of here because they're not going they don't it's know about you what we know about you it's not safe they're not going to care that you tried to help me they're going to look yep. for you they want revenge and they're going to they're going to pop if you don't get out of here and Kolojido does he does what he needs to do and he leaves and Jane stays with her brother but you know that at some point there's probably going to be a reuniting and these two are going to try to make a light together or make some sort of relationship work it leaves that door open but the first thing that C does is he takes right off and he's running running actually physically running because obviously there's no car or anything like that that he could take he runs to the bippy and the first thing that he wants to do is thank Sonny for saving his life right and Murph you know you can kind of take it from there and just kind of put the bow on our, our recap I think of uh, what happened I think anybody that hasn't seen the movie Spoiler alert, maybe. Right. I don't know if you want to go ahead and fully spoil no, it. No, 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 no. We're going to we do it. This is, like we said, yeah. it's 25 years, and and most most yeah. people have, have seen this flick. And, and if you haven't, you know, maybe you want to turn off right now for five minutes or mute us for a second. But he does. He he, he runs back to to his his uh, his second father. Um, he wants to thank him for, for saving his life, for pulling him out of the – away from the jerk offs. No, no, even, even if it wasn't to get him away from them at the point, but to, to give him that dressing down. Um, and C runs into the bippy and it's, 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 it's a Saturday night. It's, it's crowded as hell. These guys are, are oblivious as to what went on, uh, just five blocks away or three blocks away, whatever it was, because that's, you know, another world to them. um, C runs in. He, he, he's he's screaming to his friend Sonny. You know he wants to thank him. Sonny is is waving him over. He's like C's back. I my boy is back. You know, and he he does. He refers to him as his boy throughout this entire film. And he's waving him over. And then C gets to see his 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 last friend, one of his oldest friends, gunned down in one of the one of the the most mob style freaking endings that 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 I can remember in in almost any movie. Um, he, he he's gunned down by by the son of the man that he shot in the opening of this of this film. Uh, in in for for lack of a, a better word for, for out of vendetta. Uh, this mm-hmm. is the way that, yeah. that these gentlemen, these young men have, have been taught and have grown up that you take care of things for, by yourself. Um, nobody ever sees anything. Nobody ever talks. Nobody ever rats because you take care of things yourself. And this kid did that. Uh, he went back and he avenged the death of his father uh, in the way that we've seen so many other mobsters um over the years, uh, um, handle their business, handle the family business. It was family business, and and this kid took care of it. And he saw his last friend gunned down right in front of him. Why don't we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think uh, you know, in in the, that's definitely the climax of the movie. And you know, the movie gives little subtle hints, you know, throughout the throughout the movie and it's really it's life imitating art because this is it is based on a true story and you hear Sonny kind of imparting these these words of wisdom to Kolojido trying to give him that 
thought and that uh, trying to essentially give him the ability to make decisions for himself and not follow Sonny's, you know, example verbatim. And you hear about him making those, uh, those opportunities, you know, as the, as the, uh, the, the days and the, and then the months go on and the years go on for this scene. I think it was, it was very, very brilliantly. The cinematography in the scene was phenomenal. I think anybody yeah. that, uh, that really wants a good lesson in cinematography. My movies tend to have that. I mean, The Godfather and Goodfellas, to me, are two of the most brilliantly cinemato- uh, cinematographic films yep. that you'll ever, ever see. Yep. And just, you know, and just these these montages that they're able to put together. Casino, absolutely, as well. Um, Coppola and Scorsese are, are, are brilliant. And you can see the Scorsese influence in De Niro as, in his directorial debut in this movie. Yeah. Uh, really, really great. Um but you see, you hit the nail on the head about the uh, the bar and everybody smiling. And Kolojido is the only one that can see this one face that is not smiling. He's scowling and he's angry. And yep. you can see the anger and the bitterness in this face as he walks up and just places the gun gently to Sonny's head and pulls the trigger. And in the blink of an eye, his entire, Kolojido's entire life, whether it be next to Sonny or whether it be next to his friends is gone. It's absolutely gone. The only thing left is yes, there's Sonny's influence and yes, there's Sonny's, you know, uh, words of wisdom that he'll always keep. But the only thing that's real and that's left is the love between himself and his father. And, the scene cuts very quickly to a funeral home that the that uh, the Anellos lived across from. That's Colojo's last name. The same funeral home that that uh, yep. the man who was killed in in the the opening yep. scene, not the opening scene, but the scene where we met Sonny. Uh, his funeral had been held right. um, just you know ten years or six years earlier. Was, I think yep. he was about seventeen at the time yep. um, that this movie ended. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And and so once again, in in this scene at the funeral home, of course there are there are hundreds and hundreds of people there to pay their respects to this man that they they feared, and it, it, it's still fear that that drives them there um, because mm-hmm. they don't know uh, what's going to happen next, uh, who, who's going to be in charge next and and that's what you do you sh- you show up out of respect and but that respect comes out of out of fear with the exception of two people um those two people two people are c and his dad uh mm-hmm. his, his he's he's he is a little surprised that his father was there but his father was there to pay respects to his his son's friend and um that that was probably the last lesson learned from this movie um for well no no there, there may be one more after that but um the, it it was another great lesson that you know family family comes first and you have to choose which family you're a part of and um and de niro is is there lorenzo is there for his son his son is his family and he was there right. to stand with him next to his friends even though this was a man that that he couldn't stand, a man that he had no respect for, um, except for a, a you know 
a respect out of, out of the fear of what he could do. Um, but he was still there for his son when, when his son needed him. Absolutely. And I think you, I think you, you did a great job of explaining that because it really was when you took a look at Cologido having a moment just with him and Sonny's dead body laid out, um, and he's speaking to him and he's telling him about what happened with Mario and Ralphie. And I never got a chance to tell you. And he's telling him about his girlfriend and saying Jane may be one of the great ones. And, uh, which, right, we didn't even, you know, which we didn't even touch on. There's so much yeah, you know, material in this movie. Uh, where <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. It, it really is. I mean, you just, you can't touch on everything. And it, right. it's, um, but, but when he turns around and there actually is a cameo at the end of this movie, anybody that looks, you know, anybody that, that watches this movie, Joe Pesci yep. comes in as Carmine, who is actually the man that Chaz Palminteri's character, Sonny, was protecting in the opening sequence of the movie where he does shoot that man. It was Carmine. It was Joe Pesci's character. That was the one that he was, uh, was, was protecting. And Cologido looks at him and asks him, he said, was that really over a parking space? And Carmine just looked at him and he said, no. no. And Cologido was always told, when you get older, you'll understand. At that moment, Cologido didn't have to be told that or didn't even ask that. It was implied. Cologido just shook his head and basically said, okay, yep, I, I, now I get it. Now, now I, I get it. And as Carmine is leaving, after he told Cologido that if he needed anything, come by the 50, I'm going to be in town essentially taking Sonny's spot in the, in, in the crime family. Cologido just looks at him and he says, I don't think I'm going to come by the bar for quite a while. And Carmine yeah. just looks at him and says, I understand. Knowing that there must have been a very deep connection between Sonny and Carmine. And because of that, he knew all about C. He knew all about who he was and what he, how much he meant to Sonny. And it was almost like attaboy. You know, you almost got that impression. Pesci, in, in two seconds, really, of, of a cameo, really, I think, takes a great part and really encompasses what that character was designed to do, which is basically like, attaboy, I'm glad to hear that. I don't want, I don't really want you near the bar because that's not what, that's not what, where you should be. But if you do need anything, you can always count on me. And that's something that Cologico takes with him. But seeing his father walk in after Carmine is filing out and the two of them stand there and Lorenzo pays his respects and says to Sonny, I never really hated you. I guess I was just mad with you for making him grow yep. up so fast. And Cologido realizes at that moment, it all comes full circle. And he looks at Sonny and he says, well, he said, Sonny, see, my father never hated you. Nobody cares, right, Sonny? And that's something Sonny always uh, told him. You know, you talked about Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle's not going to pay your rent and all that. Nobody cares. Yep. And at that moment, and even at the funeral, when he was looking around at all these people that supposedly loved Sonny and would do anything for him, they were laughing, they were talking, and it did not matter that Sonny wasn't there anymore. We're going to give our loyalty to the next Sonny that to comes along because he's gone and we can't do anything about it. So it's just it's on to the next one. And when he sees his father come in and pay respects to a man, like you said, that Lorenzo did not respect, he did not like, but he understood that it was a friend of his son's and he was there to pay those respects. That's exactly what he did. And he looks at Sonny and says, nobody cares. You were wrong about that one, Sonny. And that I think is really, that's the central message of this movie is that if you have, if you receive love and give love, and it's impossible for someone not to care. And that's probably the most important lesson that a young Chas Palminteri had to learn at a very young age and really did a great job of flushing out in the story. 
it, it was a fantastic story, a fantastic film. We hope you all, uh, in you know, if you haven't given it a watch, uh, please do. If you have, uh, you're probably like us and have seen it uh, two dozen times. Give it one more shot. You can you can watch it right now on demand, and uh, it, it's a little cut up, but it, it's still it's still well worth it. <laughs> you're out there, um, Mike. Thank you for for this. This was this was a fantastic discussion. Uh, I I can't think of a better way to to start this new podcast that that we're doing than to do it with this movie. And um and I it was a blast, my friend. Uh, always a pleasure. And, you know, we look forward to keeping these coming. Uh, be sure to give us your uh, your feedback. You know uh, you can follow myself and Murph on Twitter. Uh, we're always, you know, on there, <laughs> as you can tell by the amount of tweets that go back and forth. Uh, but we would love to hear what you think. And, um, you know, it's our honor to be able to, you know, discuss this with each other. I mean, there's no question about it. We thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, I get the feeling that the two of us are sitting there, you know, either with a beer or an espresso or whatever, just kind of going back and forth on the movie. <laughs> But, uh, you know, as we as we continue to do these, uh, we're going to keep reviewing, uh, you know, uh, the mob genre movies. Uh, we might even get into some of the TV shows like The Sopranos and whatnot. So yep. if there's a movie out there that's a little bit more obscure or something maybe we haven't considered, you know, throw us a message. Let us know. We'd there you be more go. than happy to take a look at it and see what's what's what. So it's my honor to share the microphone with you on all aspects, my friend, whether it be Patriots football, whether it be mob genres, or whether it be just getting together and discussing any anything uh it's always a pleasure to speak with you and i look forward to it buddy it, it, me too and folks you can follow mike on twitter at m debate p f p c it's m d a b a t e f p c you can follow me on twitter at t murph 207 yes please send us your suggestions anything that you'd like us to uh to talk about anything you'd like to dis- hear us discuss we are we are more than welcome um whether whether it's from the big screen, from the small screen, um, it, it, it's something that we we both love, and and we're gonna really enjoy sharing with all of you. We're gonna be back in two weeks with a with another episode. We're gonna go back into the vault. We're gonna find something great to talk about. Thank you so much for being here with us, and we hope to see you again right here at the Shade Bippy. 